Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The Chris's are out, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Nick Friedel sitting in on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker by saying, play ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. The number to get in this afternoon, 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. In 10 minutes, the latest on Ja Morant and his expected return tonight after an eight-game suspension, plus injury updates on Paul George and Zion Williamson. But we start the show this afternoon with the latest, which is crickets on the Lamar Jackson front. It has been two weeks since the Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise tag on the quarterback and it is over a week into free agency and Lamar Jackson remains unsigned. Nick, this isn't too big of a surprise considering the day he was tagged, all these teams put out information through various media sources saying we're not interested in getting into the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. But at this point, he's taking matters into his own hand, reportedly not even as the one doing the conversating with teams. Apparently, according to multiple reports, there's someone negotiating or reaching out to teams on behalf of Lamar Jackson trying to move this thing along. Let's hear from Kimberly Martin saying a family friend who is tied to Lamar Jackson and his mother, the player who self-represents, who is reaching out to NFL teams on Lamar Jackson's behalf. I've been told, yes, there is a family friend who has been reaching out to uh, a couple teams. The problem here is that this family friend, I believe a friend of the mother's, is not NFLPA certified. So the teams are not going to talk to this person. You're not going to discuss business with this person. He's not allowed to. So the, if, if a team is interested in Lamar Jackson, the only person they will talk to is Lamar Jackson or potentially his mother. Um, but really, as of this point, no teams have, have talked to Lamar. That was Kimberly A. Martin, NFL reporter on Get Up, talking about Lamar Jackson and someone who's apparently reaching out on his behalf. And Nick, clarify this for me. In the NBA, how does it work? Do you have to have, like the NFL, a certified agent with the Players Association to negotiate contracts on a player's behalf? I don't believe you have to have the agent, Courtney, but the key here is there have been plenty of guys who have leaned on people in their inner circle, leaned on a lawyer who they trust. But we have not seen, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NFL, somebody at this level that Lamar's at being the guy who's in the spotlight, not just for what he does on the field, but in taking care of his own affairs. So I can only say to what Kimberly is saying in that clip, Of course this time was coming. (laughs) Of course, if you're Lamar Jackson, you want to get paid and you want to figure out what it's going to take to make you get your money. And you obviously haven't been able to do it to this point exactly the way you would have liked, which is why you start involving somebody else from your inner circle. 
So they gave him, the Ravens, a $32.4 million non-exclusive franchise tag. He can go out and solicit offers from other teams to match that offer sheet. And then the Ravens, of course, would then have the opportunity to match whatever the new offers are that Lamar Jackson has gotten. But so far, days into free agency, weeks past the time that he was franchise tagged, the March 7th deadline, nothing has happened. So it leads you to believe, is the asking price that Lamar Jackson has out there for himself too high. And that's something that Sal Palantonio, ESPN NFL insider, was also on GetUp discussing that some teams are not willing to pay the price tag that Lamar is asking for. Where we are in the National Football League right now is the dual threat quarterback who can win from the pocket. Correct. And Lamar Jackson did it at an MVP level before anybody else did it at an MVP level. Yes. So if you have a dual threat quarterback who can win from the pocket, you should pay the man. Yeah. Absolutely. And the fact that nobody has stepped up to offer him a guaranteed deal for whatever, five, six years in the Deshaun Watson range of over $200 million tells me it is a about money. That is the bottom line. Well, we were never going to see a fully guaranteed deal of that stature, five, six years even, and the $230 million guarantee that Sean Watson got this time a year ago because the owners have stepped in, whether they're going to publicly say it or not. They do not want to have to give out these sorts of contracts and make this the norm. And at this point, there was one tweet that came out from Lamar Jackson where he was scoffing at the notion of a three-year fully guaranteed contract worth $133 million that he would have signed something like that, that that might have been his asking price. Maybe even that's too high because he still doesn't have an offer. And that's the only number that we know outside of the initial deal that came out that had the guarantees less than Kyler Murray's contract. And that was ahead of the 2022 season, which he did not sign. Doesn't seem like the offer or at least the asking price publicly speaking of what we know is astronomical but yet still too high considering he doesn't have a deal done Courtney out of all these sound bites that we've heard over the last few weeks as it pertains to the this Lamar Jackson situation that Sal Pal one might have put the most light on things for me in everything because what is very obvious is not only do the Ravens not want to throw out that kind of guaranteed cash right now to Lamar, there's not another team out there that does either. And that's what happens when you start wondering, well, why is this taking so long? And why hasn't there been an offer that Baltimore would even have the option of matching? It feels like Lamar just wants so much guaranteed cash, a la Deshaun Watson, that He's saying, I'll wait on it, and I don't know if it's going to be there for him. And at some point between now and the next few months, somebody's going to have to blink. But that part of this is finally starting to come out because you and I were sitting here a couple weeks ago, and you thought, okay, well, who's gonna, who's the team that's going to come out and say, we want Lamar, and we want him bad enough that we, we, we will give him the money he's looking for, we'll give up the picks, whatever it takes. Clearly... There is a big difference right now between what Lamar wants and what the rest of the league, Baltimore included, wants to give him. 
And there's a big difference between self-representing, which we have long known Lamar Jackson does. That's what he did during his first contract when he signed with the Ravens as a rookie, first-round draft pick, and it's something he continues on today. Big difference between being a self-represented player Mm -hmm. and a player receiving advice from either the NFLPA or an outside source. So what Kimberly A. Martin was reporting, what others have reported, is there is someone in his inner circle. We, We clearly do not believe it's Lamar Jackson at this point, but somebody in his inner circle who's contacting teams on Lamar Jackson's behalf, trying to get the ball rolling, trying to get things to move along at a faster pace. Now, this all is triggering for me and brings me back to last August when I was covering the Chicago Bears and the Roquan Smith trade request came through and then a memo from the NFL came out and it was said that clubs are reminded that under article 48 of the CBA player contracts can only be negotiated with the player if he is acting on his own behalf, which at that time Roquan Smith was, or with the player's NFLPA certified agent. There's, you know, the the person at the center of this was a gentleman named St. Omni, who was a financial slash wealth management advisor to specific, to certain players, Roquan Smith being one of them, Laramie Tunzel, the Houston's left ta- Houston Texans left tackle who just signed a record-setting contract the other day. This is somebody who's in the mix. Now, we have no idea whether this is the same person who is helping advise Lamar Jackson and what the advising team looks like, but do not get it twisted. While Lamar Jackson could not negotiate with teams officially until the league year opened up last Wednesday, there are always people in your ear. There are always people behind the scenes and people available, resources available to you via the NFLPA, but doesn't mean that they are certified agents. Certainly, though, does not mean that he's doing this all on his own. One way to clear this up would be to come out and say exactly what you're looking for. I don't believe that that would take away your leverage because at this point, no one signed you. Whatever offer you have that's not being met is not being met for a reason. So we'll see. Lots to get to on the movement uh, element there, whether it comes in the next couple weeks or whether Lamar Jackson is going to have to wait until after the draft to find a potential new team. And Courtney, I would throw this part in as well. As we finish the conversation about Lamar, we've spent so much time talking about Aaron Rodgers, and you've made the point many times. It's about controlling the narrative for him. All we've heard from Lamar Jackson all this time are like these various tweets And they're never really clear and forthright with exactly what he's looking for. And he hasn't done that much talking on this topic. So I think that part of this is really interesting. You've got one guy who knows exactly the message he wants to get across and has done so on the Pat McAfee show and has been clear in where he wants to go. And you've got this other guy in Lamar Jackson who, for the most part, has laid behind the scenes. He's trying to represent himself. And it's still uncertain exactly what he is seeking and how much and why he feels that this is taking so long. All right. Plenty more to get into here on the Lamar Jackson front later in the show. We'll see how long it's going to take for a potential deal to get done. Candy and Carlin brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Ongoing process. You know, I've been there, uh, you know, for two weeks, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm completely better. There should be somebody around him kicking his ass right now. Just letting him know that you made a big mistake and this is not small. And you have to make up for it. He understands the gravity of this situation. And so rightfully so, he is uncomfortable because this is a position he probably never hoped to be in. He got the hard part out of the way. Now it's the easy part. It's getting back to playing basketball. 
and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle sitting in for the guys. Couple pieces of injury news in the NBA, according to Woj. Clippers star Paul George, who exited last night's game, had imaging today done on his knee. He has a sprained right knee, will be evaluated again in two to three weeks. Also, Zion Williamson cleared to return to on-court activities after a lengthy absence with the New Orleans Pelicans. He will be reevaluated in two weeks, see if that hamstring injury has improved any from that time frame. Now, somebody else that we are expecting to return to the court as early as tonight would be Ja Morant, the two-time All-Star guard from the Memphis Grizzlies. He offered... I wouldn't even call it a mea culpa yesterday. It was just words explaining (laughs) what had happened in very vague format over his eight-game suspension or what led to his eight-game suspension. He returned on Monday, was on the bench for the Memphis Grizzlies win over the Dallas Mavericks. And tonight, they have the Rockets, the Grizzlies 6-3 and three in their last nine games without Ja Morant. They are 10-8 and eight this season without Ja Morant for other circumstances as well. And I just think, I think to the basketball part, because we're beyond the apology, non-apology, him saying whatever after the after shoot around yesterday like when this team actually takes the floor tonight how different do they look because you don't have Brandon Clark that's something that John Morant was part of the last time he played Clark ruptured his Achilles and he's out for the season you have a Dylan Brooks who is public enemy number one in any game that he goes to especially in visiting arenas so that'll be interesting to see how that's handled and you have a Grizzlies team that has survived Nick but feels like they're teetering on the edge of falling apart if things don't gel instantly when Morant comes back I was gonna say it better happen quickly Courtney because if you're Memphis and you've been built this entire season on the premise that, hey, we can get through the West. We know exactly what we're doing. And then all of a sudden, you start to struggle when your face of the franchise and main do-everything guard is back. Well, good luck to Taylor Jenkins and the rest of that coaching staff because that is a team that is built on not just the talent of John Morant and the piece around him, but it's built on swagger. It was always built on this feeling of, well, nobody can touch us. We've got this because we know that we have the confidence to overcome whatever gets in our way. Well, good luck trying to overcome all that's happened in the last few weeks here, created by what's gone on with Ja off the floor. And that's the part of this that never seems to, to click in, I think, for a young team that was conditioned that had conditioned itself to believe that their title window was right now it's all self-inflicted like absolutely like outside of Clark's injury which is like the main one of the three big things that have happened for them and multiple things with job but all of those things were self-perpetuated Dylan Brooks all of those things are self-perpetuated whether it's knocking Donovan Mitchell in the groin to getting into it with Warriors players to shoving a cameraman on the sideline yep all done to yourself, which leads us back to the conversation on Ja. And now that we know the eight-game suspension has come and gone, he had to miss about two and a half weeks of on-play, of, of court 
of being on the court playing with his team. He went to Florida to receive treatment. We don't know what exactly it was for. All we know yesterday is that he was asked about having an alcohol problem. He said he did not have an alcohol problem, but he didn't go into the details on what had happened following the fallout after posting a video on Instagram Live where he is seen in an allegedly intoxicated state flashing a gun. But it leads many to ask about the suspension itself. Should it have been longer? When it first came out, I remember I was on Around the Horn that day, and I thought that the NBA was going to follow the precedent set by what happened when Gilbert Arenas brought a non-loaded handgun into the Wizards team facility was suspended for 50 games. This ends up becoming an eight-game suspension, and Jay Williams, host of Keyshawn, Jay Will and Max on ESPN Radio, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, believes that the eight-game suspension for Ja was not enough. I do believe the NBA missed the mark on his suspension. I thought he should have been suspended for the rest of the regular season without pay, and his return should have been subject to successful counseling from the NBA. I think whenever you involve guns and alcohol and all this other stuff, I think there's a high standard that needs to be set in the bar that needs to be set around the league and setting that kind of example. And now come back and play in the playoffs, but I thought the punishment was a little bit too lenient. You agree, Nick? I do. And Courtney, when it initially came down, not just myself, as I talked to a lot of people that cover the league, that are around the league in various roles, I think everybody was surprised. And what I would point back to, because you mentioned the arenas precedent, we are seeing one more time the difference between David Stern's NBA and Adam Silver's NBA. Adam Silver is much, much more pro-player He wants to do everything he can to help the players stay out on the floor, and he does not rule with the type of iron fist that David Stern did. At the same time, to Jay's point there, Courtney, you can go to a program for a week or two. What are you really going to get accomplished in that moment? It just feels to me like window dressing, like the NBA came down and said, hey, you want to get back and play? This is what you have to do for now. But it doesn't feel like that much has changed in the short term. Yeah, I mean, how much can you really fix yourself in the short term when we know that he was not at this Florida treatment program center, whatever you want to call it, for more than a couple of days. He doesn't go into too many details, and that and that's his prerogative when he's talking about this after practice on Tuesday. All we know is it was a short stay, and to expect that after a litany of things that had gone on that he was at the center of, all of it self-inflicted, considering the people he's kept around himself and his own actions, it's hard to believe that, you know, a short period of time, he's all of a sudden cured of whatever issues that caused him to have these sort of out, you know, these outbursts, more or less. But at this point... We wait and see. The game tonight, only a couple hours away, an 8 p.m. tip between Memphis and Houston. And we'll see how John Morant looks back on the court and if he's able to stay on the court going forward throughout the rest of the regular season. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Straight ahead, C.J. Stroud has thrown. Jackson Smith in Jigba has run. Todd McShay joining us from Ohio State's Pro Day. What did he see from both? That's next, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Ton of teams represented in Columbus this afternoon for Ohio State's Pro Day. Where quarterback C.J. Stroud, a potential number one overall pick in the NFL draft, was on hand to throw for scouts, coaches, and other NFL personnel. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle, joined by someone who was there, ESPN NFL draft analyst Todd McShay. Todd, your biggest takeaway from seeing C.J. C.J. Stroud throw the ball this afternoon. Well, Cordy, the the first thing was just, you know, most quarterbacks come out and and it's a lot of underneath throws. They're warming up, kind of getting into into a rhythm. He came out firing, just an aggressive approach. He he didn't have a quarterback coach there like George Whitfield or Jordan Palmer or those guys. He he ran the whole show, and it it was his decision. I asked him why, and he said, that's what I do. I throw, and I'm not going to back down and – back away from anything and I wanted to show scouts and NFL GMs that, that that's kind of my aggressive nature as a passer and it was different trajectories on throws all 30 to 45 yards down the field you know letting receivers run on, under some of them some on just frozen ropes and it was impressive just that kind of his aggressive approach he missed two throws both were rolling to the left but other than that it wasn't just completing passes it was the ball placement and we, we saw the same thing from him at the combine and we've seen that throughout his career, and especially you know this this past season at, at Ohio State. So, listen, pro days you can only they're they're only good for for certain things, and and we put too much emphasis on them. But it's good to see him in person throwing, and just how pre- it's almost like he's he's walking out and handing the ball to these receivers. That, that's how precise he is with the placement. Uh, Todd Stroud met with the Panthers, obviously ahead of pro day. You're headed to see Bryce Young tomorrow at his pro day. If you were to put your money down, which direction do you think Carolina goes right now, Stroud or Young? Well, let me start with this. I've been doing this for 16 years, coming out to the top quarterbacks in pro days. And the last time an owner – like, it's one thing to have the, the general manager, the head coach, the, the OC, the quarterback coach all there for a team that's picking number one and, the, and, and definitely going to take a quarterback – but you don't often see the, the owner. And the last time I saw it was, was Dan, Daniel Snyder when Washington drafted RG3. So it's been that long 
since I've seen a general manager there. And they, he went out to dinner. CJ did with with David Tepper and his wife, and and the the staff, the you know the scouting staff and and the coaching staff. And it was interesting just listening to, his, to what you know how how he liked talking to David about business and and his interests. He said, and, and his wife is a trip. His wife was there too. David Tepper's wife, the owner. And he said, and we have a lot of same interests, and we talked a lot about business. And he said at the end, he said, I'm, she said, David Tepper's wife, I'm going to keep my eye on you. Wherever you go, I'm going to keep my eye on you. So it was, it was interesting to hear that interaction. But I, listen, Frank Wright, the head coach of, of Carolina, is used to dealing with bigger quarterbacks, you know, from, from Peyton Manning to Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz to Nick Foles, all the way re- recently to Matt Ryan, all 6'4 to 6'6". Six, six. Bryce Young is six is five ten and change at two hundred and four pounds. CJ Stroud six three pounds. So I, I'm not saying that that's the tiebreaker, but certainly you have to factor that in. I I see. I've also heard from different people who I rely on that have good information that Bryce Young is is the, the leader right now. But it seems to me like CJ Stroud would be a I don't want to say a better fit, but a more familiar fit for Frank Reich. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see to see how it all plays out, but it's definitely going to come down. And you'll see Tapper and that whole staff at all four of these pro days. You've got – we had C.J. Stroud today, Bryce Young tomorrow in Tuscaloosa, Will Levis on Friday um, in, in Lexington, and then, you know, about four or five days later, Anthony Richardson them. But I truly believe it, it really is coming down to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And right now, if I, if I was a betting man – I would say Stroud has a slight advantage. Multiple teams with numbers of representatives. The Panthers, 14 reportedly members of their organization, including David and Nicole Tepper, the owners of the Carolina Panthers, on tap for the Ohio State Pro Day. The Giants had almost double digits, uh, Seahawks, Saints as well. So very clearly, like those are unusual numbers, but the draw from Ohio State, not just the quarterback, Jackson Smith and Jigba, top wide receiver expected to go in the first round. And Paris Johnson Jr., one of the top offensive line prospects available in this year's draft. What did you see from either of them or maybe somebody that we're not talking about that could make a considerable jump based on how well his pro day went? Yeah, well, this was the first time that we've seen Smith and Jigba run a 40-yard dash. I had some scouts say 4-9, some scouts say at worst 5-2. The majority of scouts I talked said four five one and that's what you see on tape he's not a burner he's not a you know in one of those elite vertical receivers but don't forget he ran the fastest short shuttle and the fastest three cone drill of any receiver at the combine and first of all he's healthy again which is great to see after the hamstring injury cost him the majority of 2022 but secondly watching him as a route runner on tape and then being able to see him up close and personal just it's just the subtle movements, the flexibility, the pliability he has in his body. He's a pro receiver. He's, he is NFL ready. And you talk to Hardline, the wide receiver coach, now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. He thinks that he might be the best of all the receivers. And we saw what Chris, uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson did. Garrett Wilson winning the Offensive Rookie of the Year award for the Jets. But he, he thinks so highly of Smith and Jigba and his route running and how he uncovers versus man versus zone and how he's able to attack the football that he thinks he could be the best of the bunch. So it wouldn't surprise me if Smith and Jigba is, is the number one wide receiver in terms of guys coming off the board in this year's draft. Paris Johnson got a lot of attention too, though. 
he did his workout with all the offensive linemen, with, with the offensive line coach from Ohio State. And then they brought him in, in the center, uh, Weipler, down to a separate section for the Giants and the Jets. They wanted to put him through a specific workout. And, and, and then even like the Titans and the Seahawks, they were all kind of standing around. And Mike Brabel was even talking to Paris Johnson and giving him pointers of like what he wanted to see, see how coachable he was. And, you know, from, from one of the first rep to what he told him to do on the second rep. And, and Paris had a great workout. He really did. And, and I, I think, you know, Peter Skaronsky is probably going to be the first tackle taken out of Northwestern. But I think Paris Johnson is not going to go far behind him and probably will be the second offensive tackle off the board somewhere in the top 15 to 20 picks. ESPN NFL draft analyst Todd McShay joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Real quick before we let you go, Todd, we've talked a lot about Bryce Young. So let's touch on Will Levis uh, momentarily. What does he need to show at his pro day to maybe raise his draft stock a bit? Because the conversation centers so heavily on Stroud and Young and Levis kind of feels like he's either third or fourth in that mix of uh, first round talent. At quarterback, yeah, with with Will, we kind of we kind of know what he is as a passer. You know, he outside of Anthony Richardson, he has the strongest arm of these quarterbacks, and I think he's going to put on a show driving the ball down the field. You know, seventy, seventy-five yards, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot you're going to take away from a pro day or even a an individual you know private workout that NFL teams have. For me, with with Levis, it's more about you know. Missing layups, so that is something we're going to see. Like the short passes, easy throws. He's a huge weight room guy, a lot like Brady Quinn was, Tim Tebow. I think he needs more of the Tom Brady flexibility in his regimen than he does the weight room. And then really a lot of it, too, is can he protect his body? Because he plays the quarterback position like a linebacker, and that's great at times. But he's got to learn when to, to you know, take his foot off the gas and protect his body because he's taken a beating, especially this past season with multiple injuries. And then does he does he see the whole field when pressure's coming on him? And that's not anything you're going to get from pro day or private. That's one of the biggest questions because you see his head, his you know his helmet drop, which means his eyes are dropping, and it just he's not as comfortable in the pocket as C.J. Stroud, and he's not as poised and doesn't have the same feel for where pressure's coming from that Bryce Young has. So Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are NFL ready day one starters. Will Levis has some things to work on. Anthony Richardson has a lot to work on, but they both have outstanding talent and both have outstanding character, too. Busy week of pro days on the circuit, month away from the NFL draft. Ohio State's was today. We've got Bryce Young on tap tomorrow. Todd McShay, ESPN draft analyst, will be at all of them providing the latest over at ESPN.com. Todd, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Have a great show. All right, we'll continue on with that pro day circuit. A big week for the top quarterbacks in the draft. You heard what Todd McShay had to say about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, but what do these pro days mean for Will Levis and Anthony Richardson? That's next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The New York Jets have a new wide receiver in McCole Hardman. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, he has agreed to terms with the Jets on a one-year deal, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. And with one addition comes a subtraction. The Jets are sending wide receiver Elijah Moore, who is no stranger to trade requests with the New York Jets. He is being sent to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for the Browns' second-round pick. The Jets are also sending their third-round selection to Cleveland along with Elijah Moore. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Ferdell with you on this Wednesday afternoon. A busy Wednesday in Columbus, Ohio. It's the pro day for the Ohio State football program. C.J. Stroud has thrown today. Jackson Smith and Jigba ran a 40. Paris Johnson Jr., the presumed top tackle in the NFL draft also went through drills and for quarterbacks down the line the next couple days mean a lot Nick because Bryce Young will have his pro day in Tuscaloosa tomorrow Will Will Levis will have his at the University of Kentucky on Friday and then Anthony Richardson will have his pro day at Florida early next week so we'll get a chance to see all four quarterbacks that we expect to go in the first round the first four off the board in the coming days pro days are good and bad because they either confirm or scoff a bias that you might have about a player we really don't learn all that much about them at these pro days it's a chance to gather more information to see guys throw routes on air but you know frankly a lot of these things are just a chance for scouts to all show up in person and mean mug each other with their like in strength and numbers of how many people they have showing up with each organization oh my it sounds like a high school dance you know you just kind of everybody looks at each other going oh what am i doing but courtney what i would ask you having been around the nfl now for years as people start to hear more about these pro days and they're popping up all over the place, in your mind, what signifies a good pro day for one of these prospects that's going through it? If you ran a bad 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine in Indy, if you can right your wrongs on that and put up numbers that you are proud of and numbers that like actually look good, like if you had a bad 40, running a good one at your pro day would be good. Uh, I think as a receiver, being able to see you catch passes from your quarterback, the guy that you built chemistry with, because remember, that's not the case most times at the NFL Combine. You're you know, going through drills with, in, in, in catching passes from somebody you've never been on a football field with most times that Mm -hmm. stuff helps and for you know in the sense where you have to actually perform at your pro day that stuff matters too because you remember at this time last week Jalen Carter the defensive tackle who has come under fire in recent weeks a potential number one overall draft pick certainly don't believe he's going to be drafted there anymore because there was an arrest warrant for him that came out for his involvement in a car accident that claimed the lives of a former teammate and a Georgia football recruiting staffer he was charged with reckless driving and drag racing and then 
All of that happens. He leaves the combine. He comes back. He doesn't work out at the combine. And then he has an awful workout at his pro day in Athens last Wednesday. And he only did a portion of it and didn't even finish it. Like no 40, no no cone drills. He was just going to do position drills. And he looked really bad. There's a video of it that has surfaced, and it shows somebody who showed up nine pounds overweight. Can't do that. That's like a red flag for your pro day. Like make sure to show up in shape. And he just looked like he just looked like a shell of himself, not the explosive defensive tackle that, you know, helped this national champion defense win two in a row for the Bulldogs last two years. So those are the things. I mean, the pro days at the end of the day, they have so much game tape on these players. Like pro days are a combine in their own right where you get to show off your skills and, you know, for some players too who are not who were not invited to the combine, were not among the 300 that were chosen to go to Indianapolis. This is a good chance if you know that you're going to probably go undrafted to show your stuff for scouts to, you know, when they're finalizing the board. You know, hey, that guy impressed me at his pro day. He ran this. He, you know, looked really good in this drill, X, Y, Z. Because, you know, coaches and and NFL staffs can actually get a much closer look at you up close and personal. Be sometimes me in Northwestern. Last week, the Chicago Bears, a team that I cover for ESPN's NFL Nation, they ran the pro day at Northwestern. I mean, they put Peter Skaronsky, who very well could find his way to the Bears at number nine, they put him through workouts and they put the rest of the NFL draft eligible prospects through workouts. So it's a good chance for teams to get closer to these prospects. But then again, they already have so much information how much more information can you can really determine how good a prospect would be and maybe making a major jump up your board? Frankly, not much at this point of the season. Courtney, I just want a public service announcement out there that showing up nine pounds overweight for pro day, not a good move. Also showing up nine pounds overweight to your mom's house after she hadn't seen you for a while, not a good move. That is not something I would suggest. <laughs> I did that the other day. I showed up. My mom saw me and said, Get your butt in the backyard and start running around because you don't look right. <laughs> well, at least you don't have multi-millions uh, waiting on you. And that yeah, but I have a mom's ire. That's true. That actually might be worse. That might be worse than costing yourself multi-millions in the first round of the NFL draft. Straight ahead, we know Cam Newton can still throw a football. Can he be a factor still in the NFL? That's coming up next, Kenny and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.